Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we have certified holistic health coach and environmental toxins expert, Laura Adler. We do have these occasional acute responses to an exposure, but most of the time we don't have those really obvious overt symptoms of something like a seizure or hair loss or something like that. It's really this chronic exposure that's happening over a lifetime that builds up and that one day we wake up and we're like, hey, you know, cancer, for example, cancer, like cancer is a process right? Like it's a process. It's not a thing. And cancer doesn't happen. Cancer develops. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Well, hello there. Thank you for joining in on this episode with Laura Adler. I'm grateful for you out of all the podcasts out there and all the things you could be doing at this very moment. You chose to listen to the Keto Camp Podcast. So thank you so very much. We are on a mission here at Keto Camp to educate 1 billion people on planet Earth. So every listen helps us accomplish that goal to make an impact in this world and put a dent in disease. This episode is all about that. If we could change our conversation on toxins, household toxins, environmental toxins, these hidden toxins that you might not be aware of will be put to light on this episode with Laura Adler. I really enjoyed this conversation. I learned so much from Laura as I continuously learn so much from her over the years. And she's gonna get into the role toxins play with weight gain and weight loss resistance, how it's a survival mechanism when toxins enter the body, where the body actually starts to enlarge fat cells for these toxins to get into there and have a place to stay. And she'll get into that a little bit more deeper into the physiology of that. We're also gonna talk about the deception on marketing labels that say things like BPA-free and how to actually become aware of what is healthy versus what is marketing tricks. We talk about the dangers of asking for your receipt at the grocery store, at whatever store you're at. Putting your hands on the receipts and what it does to the body and how that's an issue. We talk about keto approved foods that support the liver for everyday detox. Laura's gonna share simple ways to detox the body each day. These are practical things that you could start doing immediately we get into the problems of air fresheners i mean you hop into an uber or a lyft and most of the time they have these toxic air fresheners that you are breathing in so we talk about the dangers of that and plus febreze and all and lysol and all these nasty toxic products in our house that are affecting our families our pets speaking of which she talks about house dust and how house dust that accumulates in your apartment, in your home, is making your pets sick. The overall theme of this episode is the consumer, it's us. If we demand non-toxic products, we will change the world. We would contribute to a sustainable environment, not just for the health of us and our bodies, but the environment, the animals. Mother Earth is asking for us to change the conversation, and this episode is going to be all about that. So if you're interested in not only getting healthier on your keto diet, but also changing the world at the same time, this is gonna be an episode that you wanna listen to very closely. You know, we talk a lot about toxicity, environmental toxins on this podcast for a good reason, because the perfect diet alone will not get you well in this day and age, but you cannot get well with the perfect without the perfect diet. So keto and fasting and carnivore, and keto flexing are all essential 
towards healing your body. And we focus a lot about that. But we also talk about environmental toxins, heavy metals, household toxins. These are chemical disruptors, hormone disruptors that lead to massive amounts of cellular membrane inflammation. And I've seen a lot of people, including myself, who have done keto and intermittent fasting and exercising perfectly, but if they have a high toxic load, the body's not gonna heal. So how do you know if you have a high toxic load? I put together a free toxicity quiz. It'll take you just a minute or two to complete, and it's free. And after you have completed the quiz, we'll give you a score. The scores range between low toxicity, moderate toxicity, and high toxicity. And that'll give you an idea of where you're at and what to do about it. So all you need to do is go to www.toxicmiami.com. Yes, it's Miami, but you don't have to live in Miami to do the quiz anywhere in the world. You could take that quiz, toxicmiami.com, and go fill out that quiz right now, get your score, and you could understand where you are at with your toxicity levels. Please make sure you leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on iTunes. It really makes a big difference for the show. And lastly, before I share Laura with you, make sure you take a screenshot of this episode and post it on your Instagram, either on your story or on your profile and tag me in it and tag Laura. So my Instagram handle is at the Benazadi, T-H-E-B-E-N-A-Z-A-D-I. And Laura's Instagram is environmental toxins nerd. So tag us both. I'll be sure to share that on my story and get some other keto campers following you back. Also use the hashtag keto camp because I search that frequently. All right, let's get into this episode with the amazing Laura Adler. Laura Adler is a certified holistic health coach and a self-educated environmental toxins expert. She's been a featured speaker on over a dozen summits, dozens of podcasts, and appeared in a nine-part documentary film series viewed by millions around the world. Laura is a member of the Naturopathic Association of Environmental Medicine and the American Holistic Health Association. Laura has attended lectures and symposiums presented by highly respected institutions like the New York Academy of Sciences and the Mount Sinai Children's Environmental Health Center and by many of the top names in epigenetics, hormone disruption, and environmental health on topics ranging from prenatal chemical exposures to environmental chemicals impact on the developing brain. Laura Adler, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you for having me here. Um, I love the work that you do. I love your audience and I'm pumped to share about this topic. I'm pumped too, because I've been following you for a few years and you talk a lot about the stuff that my coach and mentor, Dr. Pompa talks about environmental toxins, and you have such great information that every single person needs to hear because I've seen people follow the keto diet perfectly and not get the results they want. And there's a key thing missing. And that key thing is toxins. So we're going to get into that. And before we do, I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to share your story with my audience. So how did you get involved with what you're doing today? So I was always interested in nutrition and wellness and health from an early part uh, part of my life. Um, I was interested in vegetarianism and veganism. I was actually vegan for 18 years. I'm neither of those things anymore because they trashed my health. It's a whole nother topic for a podcast. But so I was just always sort of this voracious information consumer in this world from like literally middle school, high school era, which is probably the least cool thing to be into in high school. But whatever. (laughs) And so I, you know, I didn't actually think that I would pursue anything professionally in that space because I just didn't, this was in the nineties. So there really wasn't health coaching wasn't a thing. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to go into the sciences. So I wasn't really sure. Anyway, long story short, I spent eight years in another career, finally was kind of pushed into this, like, Hey, you should check out health coaching by like a number of people who, you know, my first reaction is like, don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me what to do. I'll figure it out myself. And then finally I was like, you know what, let me take a look at this arena of, you know, the health space and see if it is for me. And I went down that path. I got certified as a health coach. I was like, cool, this is amazing. I get to do work that matters. I get to help people. I also get to be nerdy and talk about nutrition and health and wellness and like, how do we 
feel better in our bodies. But I didn't know anything about business and to figure that part out on my own. And at the time, all of my clients were coming to me for weight loss, which was a sort of the generic, like, well, I don't really know what my business is focused on, but I'll just do this. And some of my clients had amazing results and others had no results at all. And I was really stumped because they did the exact same things. And I started thinking like, what am I missing in this conversation? So I started diving into the literature around resistant weight loss. And that's really the thing that kind of cracked the door open for me in this world of environmental health, because it was through that sort of investigative process that I learned about obesogenic chemicals, chemicals that mess with our metabolism in ways that lead to weight gain or that you know, uh, can cause resistant weight loss, insulin resistance. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've spent the last 15 years like immersing myself in this world. Why is this the first time I'm hearing about it? Like it just, I was like, what? And then my sister-in-law was pregnant with my niece at that time. And so I started reading into the consumer products and babies mattresses and kind of being like, hey, well, what's, if these chemicals are in other products, they're probably in baby products. And that just like lit this match in my soul that was like, oh my God, this is a massive topic that very few people in the health space uh, are talking about. This was at, at this point, this was about 11 years ago. And there were very few people talking about environmental chemicals and the links to chronic illness in that space at the time. And that's what really struck me as like fundamentally not okay. Like, this is a massive missing piece. It's the elephant in the room. We can eat all the healthy foods. We can exercise all we want. But if we are exposed to or exposing ourselves to these endocrine disrupting chemicals, carcinogens, neurotoxins, like it will be very challenging or very likely to be challenging for people to get well. And we're in the wellness space. So this felt like a big missing piece. And so I you know, spent a couple of years really diving into the research so that I could understand this sort of full scope of this conversation. And that's when I started teaching my, my community at the time, which was health coaches and nutritionists. And that was in 2012. And it's been, you know, that's what I've been doing not, uh, ever since. Yeah. And I'm one of those health coaches who've learned from you through uh, FDN. I'm an FDN practitioner and you've done some work with them. So I've learned so much from you. So why does one person who is doing the same thing essentially as another person get results, but the other one doesn't? Let's say they have the same environmental toxin load. What, what's the difference in these two people? So I mean, there could be lots of differences, right? Like there could be a genetic difference in the way that their body is capable of detoxifying compounds. They might have a gene SNP that prevents proper liver detoxification. They could also have an altered epigenome, meaning they might have inherited some uh, alterations in their epigenome from their parents or grandparents or great-grandparents that predispose them to certain health conditions that the person sitting next to them in the same environment may not manifest with. And the you know, epigenetics is really what can help explain why like two people who are smokers can have very different outcomes. One can develop lung cancer and the other one can be, you know, a two pack a day or for 50 years and never have lung cancer. And, and a lot of that is, is our genetics and our epigenetics. Yes, it, it, that does play a big role, and I've seen that as well. So what does the body do exactly? And you explained this well in Nashville it, uh, when we spoke at Dr. Pompa's conference, the PPARY pathway. Could you explain and break that down? Yeah, so the PPAR gamma uh, receptor is the sort of master regulator of fat cell development in the body. And we know that when uh, PPAR gets activated, it actually changes the programming of our fat cells in ways that uh, lead towards weight gain, resistant weight loss, obesity, all of those weight-related issues. And so if a, a cell is already a fat cell and PPAR is activated, what's going to happen is that cell is actually going to increase its capacity for fat storage. So you have larger fat cells. If PPAR gets get, uh, activated in the presence of stem cells, it's going to change the sort of marching orders or instructions of that stem cell to say like, no, no, don't go be a bone cell. We're going to have you be an adipocyte. We're going to turn you into a fat cell. And so PPAR gamma activation in the presence of stem cells actually increases the number of fat cells. So we have this sort of double effect where 
we are increasing the size of our fat cells and the number of our fat cells. And that's happening on a cellular level, completely absent of diet, exercise, anything else. It's referred to as chemically induced weight gain. And we know that this happens because so many of the pharmaceuticals that people take have this same side effect and they act on that PPAR gamma receptor. So like we all know that chemicals can make us fat. It's not like a, a weird out there concept because we all know that like antidepressants, antipsychotics cause weight gain. Like that's a si very often a side effect for people and it's a well-established and well-accepted side effect. Well, we don't really accept it, but it's accepted that that happens. And it, you know, it kind of boggles my mind when people are like, chemicals don't make you fat. And I'm like, yeah, but pharmaceuticals are chemicals and they make us fat. So same concept, same pathway. And it's something that we're all, these are all chemicals that we're all being exposed to every single day. So I think it's a significant player in the obesity epidemic that we have. It's not just about calories in or calories out. Absolutely, that is like, you know, 1970s thinking and it's it's just it's it doesn't work that way. I wish it was that easy. If it was that easy, we wouldn't have the you know forty percent of the adult population being clinically obese in this country. I agree one hundred percent. You know, it's it's just a distraction to what really matters. And what really matters is what you just said: cell metabolism, hormones, what's happening from those calories. Those who are talking about calories in versus calories out, which is most of the guys and, and gals in the fitness space, I don't take them seriously because how could you when there's so much going on? I, I believe calories matter, but they're not important. I think what's important is what we discussed. And it doesn't explain the rise in childhood obesity. And, you know, children are not, not active. If you spend time with a five-year-old, like all they do is they just don't move. But when we see children as young as five, six, seven, not only obese, but with, you know, what used to be basically type one diabetes or type two diabetes, right? So like, this is not because like, okay, maybe they're eating junky food, but if it was just calories in, calories out, and the nutritional content of those calories didn't matter, those kids are still running around burning those calories off. So like, it doesn't, the argument doesn't hold. It doesn't, it's a weak argument. Yeah, it's a super weak argument. And to me, like, just like you said, it, it's, it demonstrates a lack of understanding of yes. the, all of the other layers of the issue. Yeah, totally. And I want to get into the top toxins that are most commonly found and what you've seen since 2012. Before we do, let's go back to the uh, what you just explained, how the body is... Uh, increasing the size of these fat cells, and even when you have when you have stem cells that are produced, which is interesting. So if somebody's doing fasting, and they have a lot of toxins, they're kind of getting nowhere because they're getting stem cells, and they're they're getting the stem well, cells not. When you're fasting, um, and you're the sort of you know a lot more about fasting than I do, but you know we are burning fat, right? We're putting our body into fat burning mode, and when we do that, we start dumping all of the fat soluble toxins that are stored in that fat. And this is actually a defense mechanism by the body to sequester these toxins in tissues that are not our brain and that are not our heart and that are not our kidneys. And it's doing the best that it can with this sort of onslaught of toxins. And when we start losing weight rapidly, we dump those fat-soluble toxins into our bloodstream and our poor exhausted liver has to try to keep up with this load. And it's often, you know, unless your liver is working perfectly and all of your pathways of elimination are working perfectly, uh, which for most people, unfortunately, it's just not the case, um, your liver can still be overloaded. So there's been a number of studies looking at um, people who have undergone gastric bypass or lap band surgery and experienced very rapid rate weight loss in a very short amount of time. And those studies show a thousand-fold percent increase in uh, these persistent organic pollutants and pesticides flooding their system. And you know what happens after gastric bypass is people often get so sick, like their hair falls out because their body is just dumping toxins. So we really want to be careful when we're doing this because we have to be cognizant of the fact that if we're not supporting those excretory pathways we might be setting ourselves up for a rebound because those toxins are now flooding the system and they're like desperately searching for fat and they're like oh where's the fat where's the fat um they don't get metabolized you can't metabolize fat and the uh, toxins in the same way that you can fat and so your body doesn't burn toxins for energy and so those toxins get recycled back into the system 
And then they're, they're just going to kind of tell the body like, hey, we need more fat to store these guys because we ran out of space. And so then the body rebounds by putting on more, more fat. So it's like a real tricky cycle that I think people should just be cognizant of when they're diving into something that is going to be heavily calorie restricted, um, especially if they have a lot of body fat on them. Yeah, that's a great message. And if somebody listening to this right now is working with a health practitioner and they're not talking about this, you got to share this episode with them because there's, this is so important. Even when you're going keto and not even practicing fasting, you're still going to burn fat cells and you're still going to have this release of toxins. So you got to know what you're doing. So there's some things that I recommend, which is to eat more bitter-rich foods, help the liver stimulate bile, and also take some binders. So what are, what are some binders or what are some other things they can do to support the liver, to support this detoxification? So first, I think any any type of food, whether it's like a dandelion tea or a bitter green, anything that's going to support the liver is going to be your friend in this sort of journey. Um, you know, my goal is really helping teaching people that what we want to do is dial down the exposure while we are dialing up our excretory pathways. So we have to do both at the same time. Um, and so we don't want to just dial down exposures. We also want to amp up what our body is getting rid of. And we do that by supporting the liver. Um, binders can definitely be helpful in this arena. You know, like an activated charcoal is a great binder. People have to know how to take a binder so they're not taking it with their supplements and with their food. It's like a whole process, but yeah. they can be really great at binding to particularly, uh, specifically heavy metals. Um, so uh, charcoals aren't going to bind with everything. They're not going to bind with like pesticides necessarily. They're really about helping metals leave the body or things like mold, like they can help with other things as well. And then things like sauna, sweating every day if you can. Like this is so important. Sweating, you know, people often dismiss sweating as being like, oh, it's just salts, it's just potassium. And that's absolutely not true. In fact, I think this is always an interesting fact for people law enforcement actually uses what are known as sweat patches to measure whether or not there are narcotics in the system because you can sweat out narcotics and they can be like, well, you're not clean because we know that you're sweating out meth or whatever it is. And so we know, and law enforcement and the military, like we all, they all know that like when we're sweating, we are excreting a lot of metabolites, particularly ones that kind of sit in the subcutaneous fat layer under our skin. Those are the ones that exit through sweat primarily. And what's really cool is there are some toxins that will preferentially exit through sweat than through any other pathway. So you can measure for certain chemicals in urine and they're like, well, there's not any in here. It's because they're all in the subcutaneous fat under your skin and they preferentially will excrete during sweating. So we want to be pooping every single day. That's our primary excretory pathway. We want to support the liver. We want to support the kidneys. That means we got to be drinking water and not just water, but filtered water because mm -hmm. a lot of our water has chemicals and we want to be sweating. We want to be moving our lymph fluid. That means moving our body. That helps to move some of that cellular waste and that toxic, uh, those toxic compounds out of, the, um, out of the tissues. So we need to really be doing all of those things. And I rec you know, this is really where I kind of get behind the you know, hashtag detox, everyday detox, right? We have to support this process every day. I don't look at, quote, a detox as something we do quarterly. We do it every day every single day, every exhalation is a detoxification. And so we just want to support this process in all the ways possible. Those are some great tips. I didn't know that about the patches. It's very interesting that the yeah, police forced cool, that. Right? Yeah, yeah, really cool. And it makes a lot of sense because they're you're going to sweat it out. When, when I used to be a personal trainer and my clients that I used to train, I knew that they went out the night before and drank alcohol because I would smell it from their skin, right? You, you noticed that. Yeah, and that's actually what happens. So there's a lot of, you know, for naturopathic doctors who have clinics where they do detoxification protocols and they have saunas where their patients go and sweat it out. After so many years of being around that, there are some NDs who have been able to like identify specific pesticides because of the smell that comes out of that person, which is fascinating and also a little bit scary because for the medical community, is that another exposure that they're getting? Is, uh, is there 
exposures that are coming off of their patients. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, even with mold patients, right? You're getting that exposure from them. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So cool, right? I mean, yeah. not cool, but fascinating. F- fascinating. Yeah, just it's it's really it's fascinating to understand this and what's going on because most a lot of people are not talking about this, and it's unfortunate. And you're doing a good job of getting the message out there, and, and I'll do my part as well. Uh, I, I believe it's so important to talk about these toxins because another issue that happens is the cell membrane becomes inflamed and now those receptor sites can't hear the messages from your hormones and all of a sudden you have weight loss resistance. They can't get into the cell. So could you talk a little bit about that, what's happening with with the membrane? Uh, well, that's actually above my pay grade, so I will refer <laughs> to you for that. Well, you explained it. it it's, it's exactly what you said. Uh, the, the, there's inflammation, and then the heavy metals get latched onto the membrane, to the receptor sites, and then your hormones can't get in, and you're in your weight loss resistance. So it's well, we all, and we also have to think about you know all of the endocrine disruptors that are also interfering with hormones and hormone production, and I think people don't recognize how serious that is and how impactful the really small amounts that we are exposed to can affect us. I think in this conversation about toxins in general, the mindset or the thinking is often like, oh, the small amounts that are in these products can't harm us. Like it's not a big deal. It's just a tiny amount. And that's really the line that the you know manufacturers will tow when they're talking about their products and like, yes, we use these chemicals, but they're in such tiny amounts. There's no risk of harm to human health. But what those companies are talking about or saying and these chemical industry are saying, you know, just tells me that they don't have a fundamental understanding of human biology and how the endocrine system works. And, you know, if we're looking at our hormones, their job is to be communication. They're communication messengers, right? They're sending signals. And the way that I explain it is that these hormones communicate in whispers really, really quietly, right? Like they're not shouting, they're not screaming, there's no bullhorns. And when we're thinking about toxic exposures, people think, oh, you need to have a huge volume of exposures, an occupational exposure, a chemical spill, in order for something to be, quote, toxic. And that's not really what's happening here because we have you know, these really tiny amounts of chemicals in parts per billion, parts per million, parts per billion, parts per trillion in decreasing volume that we're being exposed to. Well, that's the volume that our body works on. The hormones in our body are naturally communicating at these parts per trillion level. So when we are exposed to parts per trillion, parts per billion chemicals in our consumer products, it is exactly the frequency which starts turning on or turning off health effects. Um, And unfortunately, our regulatory decisions about chemicals are based on flawed toxicology that doesn't factor any of those low doses and that um, what's referred to as a non-monotonic dose response. They just don't look there. And so we have all of our regulatory decisions based on flawed science that's telling us that these products are safe or these chemicals are safe. And that's just not what the research shows. So it's like, it's... I think especially within the realm of hormones, which regulate like literally pretty much all the things, this is a huge conversation. And, you know, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to talk about it with you. And I'm grateful to have, you know, an audience of people, of practitioners that are eager to learn about this, because just like you were saying, most people, when they go to talk to their doctor, they're not going to get any information like this. It's just not part of the curriculum. So it's really not their fault, but you know, we want to get this message out there so that people can be more proactive. Agreed. And we're doing that. We're doing that with with this podcast and all the work that you're doing. So these endocrine disrupting chemicals, what are some of them for the listeners to look out for? Yeah. So, you know, the, the sort of poster boy of endocrine disruption is bisphenol A or BPA. BPA is a molecule that was actually synthesized, I think it was in like 1891. So it's been around for a minute and it was being considered for hormone replacement therapy, but it got beat out by a chemical called diethylstilbestrol or DES, which had a horrible train wreck history of causing uh, major health issues for women who are taking it during pregnancy um, and their children having increased risks of cancers. And uh, anyway, so BPA was actually in the running for that role and it just wasn't quite strong enough. And whereas DES was like so strong, it was causing massive, massive health issues. A lot of people don't realize that. Bisphenol A, as well as all the other bisphenols in that category, and there are many of them, 
are primarily found in things like cash register receipts, canned foods, the lining of canned foods, in polycarbonate uh, plastic materials, so like hard, rigid plastics. Where they're not found is soft plastics, Ziploc bags, uh, like your Poland Spring water bottle. Most people don't realize this, and so marketing uh, from those companies is really misleading because if you go to the store now and you look at a Ziploc bag, it, they all say BPA-free. Well, they never contained BPA. It's like Tropicana labeling orange juice cholesterol-free. I hope to God there's not cholesterol in my <laughs> orange juice, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> and so it's just like manipulating the consumer's lack of understanding, and I get like really annoyed annoyed by that because it just companies are just like oh you guys are dumb it's a buzzword we're just going to slap it on the box and mm -hmm. you'll you'll still buy it and you'll pay a premium for it so and this is also true for products that are labeled bpa free because bpa is only one chemical in a family of chemicals known as bisphenols and what companies have often done or they typically do is bpa got a really bad rap in the public arena and we can thank moms for that because they actually found out that BPA was used in baby bottles and they were like, uh, no. And literally like took to the, you know, grasses of lawns of Congress with their strollers and were like, get this out of our baby bottles. So they did. But what companies did is they simply swapped BPA for BPS or BPF, which are molecularly nearly identical. And uh, some of the new research into those what are referred to as regrettable substitutions, replacement chemicals are showing that they may actually be worse. And so these are chemicals that bisphenol A specifically has been measured in the bodies of 93% of the American population, like we're ubiquitous. Wow, 93%. Yeah, like pretty much everybody because it's in so many different places. And, you know, this is an endocrine disrupting chemical. It's one of the most studied endocrine disrupting chemicals. And it can have... So, I mean, the list of health effects is enormous. Everything from call it causing gut dysbiosis, irritable bowel syndrome, um, or leaky gut, which then that just cracked open the door to a dozen or more other health issues, including all autoimmune conditions, all chronic inflammation. Like, it's just a door opener to disaster. It's not to sound gloomy, but like that's one of the ways that bisphenol A can affect us, it can affect fertility, reproduction, when babies are exposed to these chemicals in utero, which they are, uh, it can lead to um, antisocial behavior, more aggressive behavior, depression in little kids. It changes the sort of stereotypical masculine feminine roles for children. Children exposed tend to display less masculine play. So like there's just really crazy ripple effects from these chemicals. But the good news is that bisphenol A and its replacements are one of the chemicals that our body can actually dump and excrete like real quack, quickly, like within 24 to 48 hours, our body can excrete it out. But the reason why 93% of people have it is because we're constantly being exposed. We're being exposed faster than we can eliminate it. And this is why I emphasize avoidance. Always avoidance first, because let's stop the flow of exposure so that then our body can start dumping out and we can start lowering that body burden. But you know, bisphenol A is, is probably... I don't want to say it's the worst because the worst is all as a very relative statement, but it's one of the ones that I really encourage people to start taking a real close look at in their daily lives so they can eliminate it. So that means like, don't take the cash register receipt. Don't take it. You don't need it. I, yeah. Like 90% of the time we don't need it. Like I nope. recognize it when you have a business. Okay. Sometimes you need it for tax purposes, but generally speaking, you don't need it. And if you don't need to take it, great because the receipt paper is actually coated with BPA powder. So that kind of powdery feeling that you have when you touch any thermal paper is actually free BPA. It's just bisphenol A. And it actually migrates very quickly through the skin in your hands and enters the bloodstream very, very quickly, like within a couple of seconds, it starts doing that. And if people are using things like hand sanitizers at the grocery store, that actually just amps up the types of uh, the amount of bisphenol A that enters the body. So like 
BPA for sure is one. So that means no canned foods, no cash register receipts. Um, stay away from plastic food storage containers. These are like easy changes that people can make. As I said earlier, this topic can be like pretty overwhelming for people. And so I really like to start the conversation with what are the things that are going to be the biggest exposures that I can eliminate in the shortest amount of time with the least amount of effort. Like what's the easy low hanging fruit? And this is one of those. So all those plastic Tupperware containers, um, they don't all have BPA. Some of them might. Um, if they don't have BPA, they almost certainly have phthalates. And phthalates are a uh, chemical, another endocrine disrupting chemical that's also found in bazillion places. I think phthalates are found in like 98% of people. So even more ubiquitous. These are known endocrine disrupting chemicals. Um, there are a number of different types of phthalates, ones that are used in our skincare, ones that are used in plastics. Either way, they all have sort of this beeline towards entering into our body. So phthalates are most commonly found in soft plastics. So think of your vinyl shower curtain liner. Mm -hmm. That smell when you open that package, that's actually phthalates. You're smelling a chemical, and if you can smell it, it's entering your body. The fastest way for a chemical to enter your body next to an, an injection with a needle is through inhalation, right? It bypasses first pass metabolism. It goes right into the bloodstream. So we want to be really careful about that. Wouldn't that relate to car fumes and perfumes and all of that? Because you're breathing that in? Yes. Yeah. So so anything that we inhale or that we absorb through our skin, so this mm. is where we get into the conversation about personal care products, these actually have a direct route into the bloodstream because, you know, when we're eating something, it goes through the digestive system, it gets metabolized, and it goes right into the liver before that blood or that, that sort of cycles back into the bloodstream. But with things that we absorb or things that we inhale, they're actually bypassing that benefit of first pass metabolism. And so that means that they are entering the bloodstream first and eventually will make their way to the liver to be um, addressed. Hey, Keto Camper, I want to interrupt this episode real quick and let you know about a product I've been using to reduce inflammation and to get better sleep. When it comes to the CBD space, it is like the wild, wild west. And the company I've discovered is Dr. Phillips Formulations. It is pure, safe, potent, and yes, it's formulated by a doctor. They bring over 20 years of medical experience to their CBD oil. They have a proprietary formulation which combines pure, high-quality ingredients with the knowledge of a board-certified physician. They have tinctures that are internationally certified for non-GMO. And here's what they also have, keto CBD fruit chews. Yes, they are keto-friendly, they taste delicious, and they're a great way to reduce inflammation in the body. If you want to get your hands on these CBD tinctures and keto fruit chews, head over to drphillipscbd.com. That is D-R-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-C-B-D.com. We will also put a link for you in the podcast notes down below. Okay, let's get back to this episode. So bisphenol, is that one of the, the, the toxins that the body removes from sweat? Uh, yes, there is some research that shows that bisphenol is um, excreted through sweat. So like sweat it out every day if you can. And what are some water bottle brands that you know are safe, even though they're plastic? Are there any? Uh, so I, there are none. Okay. So the best, the best route is to go glass. Yes, glass or, you know, stainless steel or something like that. Like, you know, whether it's a, a clean canteen or a hydro flask or something like that. What's fascinating to me is how this conversation about toxins and health sometimes butts up against the topic of like environmentalism and, you know, save the oceans and stop using plastic because what happens is people don't want to use as much plastic. So they start reusing their plastic containers mm. and that actually causes a major health issue mm -hmm. or can be associated with major health issues. So sometimes we have this like, uh, I want to do the right thing. The right thing is to just not right. buy plastic. For things like water bottles, that's really easy. Where it becomes a little bit trickier is when we're buying food because so much of our food comes packaged in plastic and we can't really avoid it. Where I encourage people to prioritize glass over plastic when they're at the grocery store 
is when they're buying fats or oils or when they're buying anything that's acidic. So your nut butters, your olive oil, even your coconut oil or your whatever nut butters, like they should all be packaged in glass. And the reason is that there are four key things that increase the rate at which chemicals migrate out of plastic. And that's heat, oil, acidity, and abrasion. So if you have oily or fatty foods, that is going to very likely increase the amount of chemicals that are migrating out of the plastic into the food. And then acidity is like sauerkraut, like some of the best sauerkraut that we're all like, eat your fermented food, eat your kimchi. There, most of them are actually fer not only fermented in plastic, these giant big commercial plastic bins, but they're all sold in plastic containers. So there's only one company that I know, um, Oli Kraut, which is local to the Pacific Northwest, that not only ferments uh, in stainless steel, but packages in glass. Like they don't use plastic in their production because they get this, they understand this issue. But, you know, we want to do our best. We want to do it within reason. So if the only fermented food that somebody has access to, well, really fermented food, just make your own because it's so easy. Yeah, exactly. And then you don't have to worry about that and you exactly. can 100% control the environment. But, you know, we don't want to be super militant about this. We just want to do the best that we can. And I recognize that that's not always easy for people. Right. Yeah, that's what it's about. It's about having the awareness, the understanding of what's going on, and then making these small changes over time that that add up to feeling healthier and getting healthier and just living a longer, higher quality of life. So it's just these small changes. If you're feeling overwhelmed, just pick a couple things that Laura mentioned, start implementing it and building from that, correct? Yeah, yeah. And I would also say, you know, like, this is a process. This isn't like, you know, what happens often when people sort of the door cracks open for them on this conversation, they're like, Oh my God, I have to get rid of everything. I'm going to clear everything out. If you're that motivated to do that. Awesome. Go do that. But if you're like, Oh my God, I don't know where to start everything. I have to throw out everything. I'm just going to burn down my house and walk away and start fresh. Like whatever you're thinking. I just like to remind people that this is a process and if you are on a budget or if you're like, I am easily overwhelmed, just start with one thing, make a change and then move on to the next thing. And so, you know, maybe it takes a year to fully sort of start phasing these things out. That's great. If you can do it in a month, cool. But like most people are not going to be able to do that. Um, I often share that after being in this space for like I think at the time it was about seven years. That's when I bought a new mattress because it was a big investment. And like, I was still sleeping on my crappy, like Sealy mattress that I a hundred percent had chemicals in it, but it wasn't an easy thing for me to change. So I left it for last. And that's really why I like to prioritize with like simple stuff, low hanging fruit. So like you mentioned phthalates as being something that you inhale, like easy intervention is like stop buying air fresheners, stop buying plugins, stop buying little Christmas trees for your car. I'm talking to you, Uber and Lyft drivers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> totally. When I get into an Uber, I'm like, oh, Bad. please. Get just, yeah. I mean like, and their corporate tells them to do this because they <sighs> think it's, a, it's like, and it creates a nice environment. And like the amount of loving lectures that I have given to uh, Lyft drivers over the years is like staggering. Good job. Yeah. Good yeah, job. I, I've converted a couple too. So, but you know, the, like we don't need this kind of synthetic fragrance in our home. Uh, the EPA has found that indoor air can be five to 10, even as high as a hundred times more polluted than air outside, even in a big city. And that's because we build our homes to be really energy efficient. We, uh, you know, close, seal up any drafts. And that means that the air exchange, meaning the amount of fresh air that's coming in and the sort of stale air that's going out in the average home is really dropped since the 1970s. That's when that, that trend sort of uh, of energy efficiency kicked in. And so we're basically creating these bubbles where all of the things that we bring into our bubble are off-gassing in some capacity and there's no way to let them out. And so our indoor air, you know, talk about inhalation, um, our indoor air, if we're using these products, can be extremely concerning. There was a study, I don't remember the specifics of it exactly, but they were looking at the contribution of household cleaners and the VOCs that they release to gl like global air pollution. And they're like, it's a bigger percentage of air pollution than automobiles. Wow. 
Yeah, that's a very impactful statement right there. Yeah, like it was like, we're all like, oh, we need to clean up our cars. Like you need to clean up what's happening in your house. Yes. You're breathing this stuff in every single day. You know, another thing that, and this is an easy, it's not easy, no one likes to do it, is uh, dust, like house dust. So house dust, we think of it as just being like, pet hair and dander and like skin cells and it's gross, right? Like that's what we think of dust, ew. But house dust is actually phthalates, it's lead, it's, you know, heavy metals, it's pesticides, it's flame retardants, it's nonstick coatings from our carpeting. All of the chemicals that are being released from the items in our home, like our couches and our carpets and our furniture, they settle in the dust in the house. They don't just like evaporate, they're molecules. They don't just like disappear, they go somewhere and they go in our house dust. And it's like the literal least sexy topic to talk about is house dust. But house dusting is so important. And there's been dozens of studies around the world, these house dust studies, where they're actually like, let's take a sample of your dust and measure what's in it. Can you guess what chemical was in 100% of samples around the world? Bisphenol? Uh, phthalates. Phthalates, okay. Phthalates. We're in 100% That's... of samples. I never thought of the dust being an issue like that. Even myself, I've never looked into that. It's so interesting. So phthalates were in 100% of them. 100%. And flame retardants are in the vast majority of those. And flame retardants are found in our sofas. They're found right. in our electronics. So our TVs, our computers, the wiring has phthalates. So the dust behind your couch and the dust behind your TV is actually more toxic than hmm. other areas of your home. And, you know, specifically with flame retardants, which are harder to address, like legitimately, you can't just like throw out your couch one day and get a new one. Like that's not easy to do. Um, but these are halogenated compounds that go directly for the thyroid. And so we see, interestingly, an increase in uh, hypothyroidism in cats because cats are rolling around in the dust and then they groom. They groom more than dogs. Dogs don't really groom themselves. And so we have these, our cats, our house pets that are ingesting these thyroid uh, suppressing chemicals and they're ending up with hypothyroidism. Mm. Allow me to take a moment to talk to you about this metabolic wellness drink called Good Idea. I've been using Good Idea and the taste is great, but more importantly, I love that it's made with clean ingredients that has been tested and proven effective in clinical trials. Good Idea contains a unique blend of amino acids and chromium picolinate that have been shown to reduce the blood sugar response to meals. As we know, Balanced blood sugar means better energy, less cravings, improved metabolism, and a better mood. It's all about postprandial glucose, meaning how well controlled is your glucose after eating a meal. The taste of Good Idea is mild and refreshing, kind of like lighter sparkling water. I personally can't get enough of it. Me and my fiance Natasha go through cases every single month. And the great thing about the good folks over at Good Idea is that they gave me a promo code for Keto Camp Podcast listeners. So if you head to goodidea.us and use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout, you'll get 10% off your Good Idea drinks. That is K-E-T-O-K-A-M-P, no space in between. Go to goodidea.us or click the link down below and it would be a good idea to go get your good idea. And babies are crawling around on the floor as well. And so yeah. children. After the floor was sprayed with Lysol as well and other, other toxic yeah. chemicals. Yeah. So like, you know, I, I know these things are a little bit harder for people to address, but I think from an awareness standpoint, we have to recognize that unfortunately, you know, like I was saying earlier, the regulations that we have around chemicals in the marketplace are not protecting us. And unfortunately, the onus is now falling on the consumer to become more educated and proactive in choosing better and safer products to create their home. We spend 60% of our lives in our home. It's a couple of years old now, so I don't know if it's changed, but there was a, I can't remember the name of the uh, study, but it was done by the federal government that was looking at like, I think it was called like the human activity survey or something. 93% of our lives are spent in the built environment. So in our home, our offices, or our vehicles, wow. or like at restaurants. And only 7% we spend outside, which was like 
the saddest statistic. We need to change that and we need to make sure that those built environments that were like how arrogant to think that our built environment wouldn't have an impact on our health. We spend 93% of our lives in a built environment. Of course it has an impact on our health in so many different ways, not just with chemicals, with blue lights and you know, right. with all kinds of other things that wouldn't be considered a, a sort of a conventional toxin per se, but can still it's an exposure to something that can alter the health of our, our body and our organism. And, you know, if we're trying to optimize our health and feel the best and be the best, we have to start looking at these exposures and, and taking action. Yeah. Not just for ourselves, but like you mentioned, if you have children and pets, if you have pets as well, we have an epidemic of pets getting sick and there's definitely a link between these pets getting sick and the toxins in the household. And you just mentioned the hypothyroidism in cats because they're more sensitive to it. You're going you're to like this. I'm going to share a quick story because you were talking about off-gassing and how new carpets off-gas. So we had a, a mastermind with Dr. Pampa and the Platinum Doctors. I'm, I'm part of his program. In last um, August in Park City at the, uh, I think it was the Marriott. And we show up there and they just installed all this new carpet in the area where the mastermind and Dr. Pompo was pissed. We, he's like, we're not having this here. So we actually had it out, outdoors and we got fresh air. So that's how committed we are, by the way. I thought you would enjoy that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a big deal. And there's actually, you know, plenty of, I don't say plenty, there is a, a number of cases where people will install new carpet in their home. And then, you know, the next thing they know, their child is having a seizure, they're having like a really violent reaction. And, you know, I, I say that to kind of, on one hand, we do have these occasional acute responses to an exposure. But most of the time, we don't have those really obvious overt symptoms of something like a seizure or hair loss or something like that. It's really this chronic exposure that's happening over a lifetime that builds up and that one day we wake up and we're like, hey, you know, cancer, for example, cancer, like cancer is a process, right? Like it's a process, it's not a thing. And cancer doesn't happen, cancer develops right? It takes time for this to develop. And so the same thing is true if somebody has an autoimmune condition or a hormone condition or endometriosis or gut issue. Like it doesn't usually just happen. It's like all of these things that have um, happened, whether it's an emotional trauma that's jogged their central nervous system or a lifetime of really bad eating or sedentary behavior or whatever it is, you know, toxins are just one of those things that's causing this sort of cascade of health issues that we have. And, you know, I just, my hope is that the spotlight on this topic continues to get bigger. It already has over the last 10 years since I've been doing this work. Um, you know, when I first started, there was really not that many people talking about these issues now there's a lot of people. Now we have big corporations like Costco, Target, Walmart. I think there's a couple of other ones, CVS, that are starting to take into consideration these consumer demands for cleaner products. And they're making room on their shelves for more cleaner products. They are instituting policy saying we're no longer going to sell products that have X, Y, or Z chemical. Home Depot just announced that they're no longer going to be selling glyphosate-based products. That's huge. That's awesome. They also just announced that they're no longer going to be selling carpets that are treated with uh, PFAS, which are stain-resistant chemicals. This is huge. And this is happening because of consumer demand. It's not happening because of regulation. So I really love to have this conversation from a place of empowerment. Like we can change this world. We can change this conversation and consumers have already driven that process in this country. So I love seeing that happen. It's not all doom and gloom. No, it's not. And it's up to us to demand for that. So let's uh, continue doing what we're doing to inspire people. I know those listening right now are inspired to make some changes and share yeah, this. So. Yeah, I hope so too. Share this with your friends and family as well. Do you know anything about bismuth and where bismuth would be commonly found? Um, I actually don't know too much about that. Me either. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's in some supplements. Yeah, pro, pro, so the reason I asked is because I did a heavy metals test about a year ago, and I had moderate to high bismuth, and, I'm, and I tried to do some research and figure out where I was getting it from. 
but it might have come from supplements that I was taking in the past. I just thought I'd, I'd ask you. because I, I, I have this. I, I don't know if they're used in antacids or anything like that. I don't know. They, they are, but I don't take any. So if Dr. Papa asked me, he's like, do you take it? I'm like, no, I've never yeah, taken it. Yeah, I mean, that's it. what I would have thought that they would have been in in an antacid, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you probably know just as well as a lot of your listeners that the transparency of ingredients in a lot of these industries is really poor. And so, you know, what's listed on the label is not always what's actually on the label. And so it makes us really hard for consumers and for us when we're doing, for example, testing and we're like, oh my God, where am I getting exposure to this thing? You can't always just go into your house and like start looking at labels and being like, oh, there it is. Like that's not how it works. I mean, people have perchlorate in their blood and that's jet fuel. And that's, you know, like that's really common contaminant that people have in their bodies and they get it mostly from drinking water or living near an airport or being around fireworks because it's a, it's an accelerant or propellant. So, you know, we have sometimes unusual exposures that like are harder for us to control, but can be really informative So if people are doing, you know, like a a tox screen, whether it's like through something like Great Plains, there's a couple of companies that do that. People are often like, uh, where am I getting exposed to these things? It's like, well, do you pump your own gas? It's probably where you're getting benzene from. Do you have an attached garage in your house? Because if you do, you have increased levels of benzene in your air. Hmm. Do you have a bedroom above your garage? You absolutely have increased benzene exposures. So like all these things to consider, but like, you know, what is somebody going to do if that's their home layout, right? right? Like, well, what they can do is what you said, make sure you're, you're detoxing properly. Make sure that liver is functioning. You're sweating. You're doing all those things because sometimes you can't eliminate some of these sources, but you can increase your capability to detox them. Like you mentioned at the very beginning. Yeah. And that's the, you know, hashtag everyday detox, right? Like let's do this every day. Let's prioritize this. And, you know, one of the things that I love is that when people come to this conversation and are feeling like overwhelmed, what I tell them is like, just take one action step, just do one action because you kind of can't occupy in your mind, this space of being proactive and being overwhelmed at the same time. It's pretty hard to do both. And so the fastest way to get out of overwhelm is to start taking action. So that's why I always say action, not overwhelm. Let's start doing stuff, even if it's really small. And maybe that one small thing is sauna. And that's great. And then you can start piling on those other other things. But, you know, uh, the other thing I say is that, you know, we change the things that we can control so that we worry less about the ones that we can't. Because Mm -hmm. I know there's phthalates in my car because every car has phthalates in them but I still drive my car. Like I don't need to horse and buggy it. I'm not like a total Luddite. I still want to be a normal person in the world as much as possible. And I think that we, it it is easy to go overboard on this topic and become sort of obsessed and afraid of touching anything. And I don't want people to walk away with that because, you know, no, we don't want to touch cash register receipts. But, you know, we don't need to be afraid of touching a Ziploc bag or a plastic container. We don't want to be right. plastic phobic. We want to be plastic smart. Yeah, great point. Exactly. So take a couple things from, from what Laura shared and, and take action on it. It could be the cash register thing. Maybe you're taking, you're going, you're grocery shopping every week and you're grabbing the receipt. Maybe you stop doing that. That could be one thing that gets you in the right direction. I have three final questions for you. What, n- number one, what is the most exciting thing that you are working on right now? Ooh. So the most exciting thing that I'm working on uh, right now, I'm like, geez, I have a couple of, I'm like my biggest, most exciting thing. I'm not ready to share the details on that yet, but it's a couple years down the line, but I'm super pumped on it. I hope it's a book because I, I, I would love to read a book from you. Um, it's not a book, but a book is probably going to be part of that process. It's awesome. actually gonna be a lot bigger than a book, which I'm stoked about. Um, But I'm actually thinking of starting a podcast next year. Yes. That is what I'm really thinking about because, you know, I serve a health professional and there's very few podcasts that are specifically for health professionals and there's none on this topic. And I think that there's so much information. I could talk for hours. I have over 300 pages of content that I've written over the years. There's endless, endless I'm like, technically I have a book. It's just not a book. There's endless information. So like, that's something that like, and you're the, this is literally the first time I've said it out loud to somebody that's not like 
one of my crew. So I'm outing myself that like I'm going to start a podcast next year. Oh, that's awesome. So we're all going to hold you accountable because you heard it here. Oh, shit, I said it now. <laughs> it's out there in the universe. The Keto Campers heard. So that's exciting. Uh, I'm excited to listen to that podcast. You're right. It's it's so needed. You have great information. You could serve such a, a, a community of health practitioners who need to hear this. They're just not aware of this. They have good intentions. And once they get this information, now they can start applying it to the population. So uh, awesome. Can't wait to hear about it and support it any way I can. Awesome. Thank you. Next question. Uh, what is your definition of perfect health? Hmm. I would say freedom and feeling limitless. Like if you feel limited by your health in some way, it's always going to be on your mind. It's always going to be like a drag in helping you do the things that you want to do. Um, I don't think I measure perfect health by a lab test or a number or anything like that. I think that's way too limited a lens to look at health. I think health is perfect. Health is really having the freedom to like live your life and do the things that you want to do without being held back by health issues. And that means, you know, healthy relationships, healthy environment, healthy food, healthy mindset, healthy outlook, healthy spirituality, like whatever you want to do, um, that you have the freedom to do it and that you feel limitless beautiful limitless and being free that's perfect health final question laura what are you grateful for today Mm, i'm grateful for having this conversation that's for sure because you know i know you have such a large audience of people that like really lean in and listen to what you say you know i'm really grateful to be among the people that you have shared on your podcast It's a really great roster of names, and I feel really grateful to be on that list. I live in Portland, Oregon, so I'm grateful that the sun is shining, which you can see peeking through my shade. It is fall here, so I'm going to take this while I can. And lastly, I think, you know, I'm really grateful for how receptive people are to this information. Ten years ago, it wasn't as easy to have these conversations. Um, So I am so grateful that this conversation is getting more attention than it ever has before and that people are open to it. Yeah, right on. And uh, I'm grateful for you. And I want to say thank you for for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge. I mean, since 2012, so seven years ago, you started this journey of studying environmental toxins. You have so much knowledge and research and you came and you curated it very well on here. So thank you. I love the work that you've been doing. Like I said, I've been following your work for for a few years now and I can't wait for your new podcast, uh, your book and this this whatever it is that's even bigger than a book. I can't wait for all that. So I acknowledge you for for showing up. You've got, um, you're funny as well. You crack me up all the time. Uh, This conversation is so depressing and Debbie Downer that like if you can't bring First of all, I'm just legit a funny person, but like if you can't bring levity to this conversation, it's going to be a really hard conversation to have. So like my students know that like I have the worst puns, all of my puns, I'm like a pun person. Any opportunity to make a joke about this stuff, I will nothing's off the table. Yeah, when you're talking about shower curtains and off-gassing and, and, and dust, <laughs> well, you gotta be also, a I'll share, I'll share my one like dad joke pun to maybe close out is, you know, people often will respond to learning about this stuff by going, oh, I just want to go live in a bubble. And then I'm like, mm, but is it a plastic bubble? What kind of plastic? <laughs> is it off-gassing? Which is like not actually a funny joke, but... I make people laugh with it, so I guess yeah. I win. Yeah, I laughed. I didn't. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> Where can my uh, listeners and viewers on YouTube find your work? Uh, they can go to my website, which is just lauraadler.com, L-A-R-A-A-D-L-E-R.com. They can follow me on Instagram. I'm at environmental toxins nerd, which is, I think, a pretty accurate description of who I am. I share a ton of information on uh, my Instagram, and that's probably the best place to kind of just absorb this conversation. And then for practitioners that are listening, they can come check out my classes. Awesome. And that's on your website? Your yeah, classes? that's right okay. on my website. Yeah. So we're going to put the links for all of your information in the podcast notes and on the YouTube channel as well. I follow you on Instagram. You do have great stuff on there. Any closing words? Just start doing stuff. Start taking action. Small things. When you finish a product and it's empty, replace it with something better. There you go. Thank you so much, Laura. You're welcome. 
Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode with Laura. Make sure you go check her out on Instagram. Her handle is Environmental Toxins Nerd. And go look at the notes of this podcast. We have links, we have notes, we have timestamps, we have a full-time person who puts all that together for you so you could do some further research after you're done with these episodes. So shout out to Rachel, who's putting this together for us at the Keto Camp Podcast. We release three brand new episodes of the Keto Camp Podcast every single week. So if you're getting value from the podcast, please leave the show a rating and review. Thank you so very much for listening to this entire episode. You'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.